Hey Goblins, Brandon here. Uh, if you enjoy what we do and you'd like to help support us create more and maybe even take the podcast to weekly, then the best way right now that you can support us is to head over to patreon.com slash goblinsgrowlers. You can find all the different stuff we do there, one-page dungeons, uh, bonus audio for things, all kinds of stuff. So head on over there, uh, and even if it's just a dollar or you know however much you're comfortable doing, or if you can't put anything toward the Patreon, just tell a friend about it. Tell somebody about the podcast. That's another great way to support us. So, uh, patreon.com slash goblins growlers, uh, and we'll see y'all soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Goblins and Growlers podcast. I'm Josh Maltby at Black Cloak DM, all the online places you can find me. I don't spend a lot of time these days on Zeter. Is that what it's called? That's uh, all I know is it's an X. And everybody's been like, it's X itter. And I'm like, is that Zeter? Zeter? Exeter. Okay. But you are on the Discord. I am on the Discord as Black Cloak DM. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, I'm Brandon Dingus uh, at Way of Brandalore on several social media platforms. And I think I got on uh, what was formerly Twitter for the first time in uh, several weeks the other day. <laughs> And I had a message and I had a message from somebody <laughs> that I didn't know about. Oh, no. Um, I'm getting a lot more like alerts from that app now for like before it switched over. Twitter wasn't sending me any alerts. And now it is all the time. There's a lot of notifications for posts that are, quote unquote, blowing up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't care about any of that. No, but thank no. you. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, hello to anybody who met us at Queen City Anime Con, which is where we were from our perspective last weekend, because we're recording this on Thursday after we got back. Um, kind of a blast. Um, it was kind of stressful and there was kind of a lot going on because um, we all just kind of shut down after we got back. I think what we took like nine people this year. Oh, God, that sounds right. I think that is right. It was quite a few folks. I would like to share a quick story before we dive into today's topic, uh, along with maybe like a couple of other uh, interesting things, but it won't be us just complaining that we're tired, I promise. But uh, <laughs> uh, a delightful thing happened. Uh, and Josh, you were there for this. So you you know what I'm going to talk about. Um, during our quid pro roll uh, live play uh, performance that we did, some some somebody comes in uh, and they're cosplaying as Charles Entertainment Cheese. And uh, some of you who listen to this and are in the Discord uh, and perhaps know of my love of 40-year-old pneumatic robots that sell pizza to children. Um, uh-huh. And I forget how it came up, but at the, end of the, at the end of the performance, we were just sort of chatting and doing some audience work. And I mentioned something about Charles Entertainment Cheese to this person. Because uh, they were cosplaying as Chuck E. Cheese, and they were like, "Oh, well, you wouldn't believe the amount of stuff I could tell you about Chuck E. Cheese, whatever." And then I just start throwing stuff right back at them. I'm like, "Oh, are you familiar with Aaron Fector?" And they just flipped out because nobody knows who Aaron Fector is. He's the he's the guy who invented um, the animatronic rocket fire explosions uh, robots at uh, Showbiz Pizza, and just like, ah. Oh! Ah, and then I mentioned that, uh, you know, I went to uh, my interesting fact was that I went to college right near the last original 
Rocket Fire Explosion anim- uh, animatronic set, and they were like, Billy Bob's Pizza Wonderland in Barbersville, West Virginia. It's <laughs> <was> like, yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, it was a showbiz, and then it became a Billy Bob's. And they were like, I went there for my birthday one time. <laughs> and they're they're from <laughs> like, like Central North Carolina or something. Um, and then we had to move things along. And I'm like, oh, it's a shame. We didn't even talk about Chris Thrash. And then they flipped out again. Like, like, Oh, this person actually knows what he's talking about. <laughs> he knows the deep cuts. But anyway, all that to say that I've uh, set up a time to talk with them uh, in like a week and a half. And we're going to uh, probably it'll be the episode that comes out after this. Uh, and it's going to be us just talking about uh, animatronics and punishing Josh. Absolutely punishing Josh by <laughs> f- forcing him to listen to this. I mean, I I figured my goal was to be the everyman who sits between these two experts in their fields and makes sure that anytime you get too broad, like too much into the weeds on the topic, that I'm like, okay, so help me out here. Uh-huh. You just you just said a thing, and to me that sounds like uh wizardry. But well you, well, you see, you, Josh, they're powered by air. <laughs> Aha. But yeah, I'm I'm super I'm super excited about that because all of y'all hate it when I just start talking about animatronics. I don't hate it. I just have nothing to contribute. And and the best part of that that panel too was Alon just sitting there being like genuinely shocked and amazed that this was happening. <laughs> he was watching magic happen in real time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was magical. So uh consequently because that'll probably be the next one that comes out after this. We might actually not get around to reviewing uh, Big B's Guide to Giants uh, until much later, because that came out like right after we got back from uh, QCAC. And I think as we're recording this, it may actually come out in like a couple of days. But uh, that I think is right. I don't know when our copy will show up anyway. So, yeah, it might be fine. Plus, yeah. You and I are both going to need a minute to look at that book because. Yeah. And also, you've got to get ready to go to Dragon Con and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, we'll get to it. But because uh, I believe me, I know everybody comes to this podcast for reviews and criticisms of the latest Wizards of the Coast releases because we're big timers like that. <laughs> but uh, I know people are probably interested in it and we'll get it. And we'll take a look at it. It just won't be probably uh, two weeks from now. <laughs> Yeah, we're not we're not going to be the first people out of the gate to have opinions on it, but we are going to be people who are busy and adults and have busy adult yeah. things that we have to do that are not this show, which mm-hmm. means that when we get around to reviewing it, it will be from the perspective of somebody who has very little time. It will have had a chance to percolate into the zeitgeist a little bit, too. So yeah. we'll, have some, we'll have some other people's takes. So like true podcasting journalists, we can regurgitate the <laughs> the mild to hot takes of other people um, goblins goblins and growlers podcast let us be your mama bird <laughs> um real quick one other thing i want to mention before we get into our main topic um you might have seen this if you subscribe to the monthly goblins and growlers gazette newsletter um which if you don't uh it's only monthly so it's not like you're getting spammed go to our link tree link tr.ee slash goblins and growlers and sign up for it. I send out, I write and send out a monthly newsletter that's just got uh, uh, some some news from TTRPG Gaming. It's got recaps of some podcasts. 
Uh, it spotlights an indie game that you can usually find on itch. Um, and just, you know, various other things like where, where we're going to be, like we announced we were going to be at uh, too many games in Philadelphia there and then Queen City. And, you know, if we have any updates to the store or anything like that. But anyways, one of the news items I had was that uh, Modifius, which produces the Star Trek Adventures uh, line of TTRPGs, which, again, many listeners will probably remember that I have no great affinity for because it's overly complicated and I'm not a huge fan of their 2D20 system. Well, anyways, I was interested in this because they were releasing, they announced they were going to release a um, solo play Star Trek Adventures. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And they're calling it Captain's Log. I'm like, oh, okay. So like I can immediately start seeing how the mechanic works for it because you play it. It's like a journaling game, essentially. And yeah. you do it, you do it as your Captain's Log. And then I saw that the source book for it was 326 pages. What? I know. I was like, that's insane. Um, let me see here. Yeah. 326 pages. So I ordered it because um, it was I ordered it on like the last couple of days of pre-order and um, because and I ordered a physical copy and they gave uh, they gave me instant access to the PDF and I start going through it. and I'm like, Jesus, like <laughs> and the thing is, like, it's 326 pages, but there's so much they left out, too. They were trying to be as comprehensive as possible with this thing. but. Um, I ordered it. You can actually get like four different cover variants to it. You can get TOS era, TNG, a Voyager, a DS9, um, and I think a Lower Decks on it as well. But oh. I started reading through it the other day, and it's just, I mean, they've got like all kinds of different ship classes from all the different eras of Star Trek and everything. Um, it's a simplified Modifius system. So it's still 2D20, but you don't have to jump through as many hoops like the ship combat uh, is easier. Uh, just regular enemy battles and stuff are easier. I haven't had a chance to sit down and do my own captain's log yet because I just got this the other day and I had to finish up my graduate statistics class. Um, so this had to take a bit of a backseat. But uh, I am super looking forward to this. If you're a fan of Star Trek and if you have the common problem uh, that all of us do of having trouble getting several people together to play a tabletop game. It's hard enough when it's D&D, when you go one or two niche levels deeper, like Star Trek and oh, OK, well, what kind of Star Trek? Well, I want to play in the in the TOS era. Well, all right. TNG is my favorite, so I don't know if I really want to do that. Like it just gets complicated. But anyways, this is a great solution for you. Um, it was and it actually was not overly expensive uh, either. I think it was like thirty five dollars. Uh, which for a 300 plus page book, even in a six by nine format, uh, is really great. It's really yeah, great. That's impressive. So I absolutely encourage folks to check it out. I'm thinking, too, if I play it and I enjoy it, I might like record several captain's logs and release them like maybe on a weekly basis or something like that on, on our podcast feed. Hell yeah. But anyways, that was my little tangent there. I just um, I'd had a chance to fool around with it a little bit, and I just wanted to share with folks. That's fantastic. It's mm -hmm. very exciting. Yeah. Well, what I was going to ask uh, was very pertinent to this week's topic, which was 300 plus pages for a single player adventure book. Right. What is this? A choose your own adventure book? Ho ho! <laughs> uh, that's right, folks. This week, we decided we're going to talk about choose your own adventure. For many uh, of us, the OG 
uh, interactive tabletop style adventure game. I mean, it's the first time I thought of a single player adventure that was like not a video game. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, I, you know, when I was a kid, I did plenty of like pretending and imagining things and running around my neighborhood pretending that like I was hitting things with a sword when in fact it was a very large stick. Mm -hmm. Sure. But uh, reading books like this just, I think, reinforced that for me. So Brandon and I both went through the uh, the entire library, which, by the way, we didn't read the entire library. <laughs> no, no, we, we selected from the entire library. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you are like, oh, choose your own adventure books, like how many uh, how many of those you got? If you go to cyoa.com, uh, you will find out how many they've got. And the answer is several dozen. If you look on the Wikipedia for list of choose your own adventure books, they have 184 in the main line, uh, then another 52 in the young readers line, and then 12 in the Walt Disney series. And I mean, there's still more. I just don't want to list off all of them. There's also a there's also a choose your own nightmare series, which is horror books. What? Yeah, I was unaware of those. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I see you choose co. Mm-hmm. Choose co. <laughs> That's like <laughs> the, the cousin of the emperor. <laughs> ah, the poison for choose co. Mm-hmm. Choose co's poison. Mm-hmm. So, so Brandon and I both uh, flipped through the library of books available for purchase online, and we each settled on a couple of books to look at. I selected surf monkeys uh-huh which sounds fantastic this sounds like a movie that i would have watched on mystery science theater 3000 in the mid 90s this is 100 the entire plot of this book is 100 percent a movie you would have watched on mystery science theater 3000 i like how you i like how everybody josh was reading this today and he texted me and <laughs> he said he said uh oh what was it i'm looking for it oh yeah, he said, man, these books are 90s AF, or at least they feel that way to me. And I said, on a scale of one to Animorphs, where are they? He's like, well, they're at least teenagers with attitude. Facts. Absolute facts. Yeah. Surf Monkeys was published in 1992, I think is part of why I was feeling that so strongly. I had flipped both books open and taken mm-hmm. a brief look at the premise. Um, the other book that I selected was the warlock and the unicorn which <laughs> i could see as being a made for tv movie in the mid 90s um but it turns out uh surf monkeys was published in 1992 originally so i was like yes spot on warlock and the unicorn was published this year 2023 mm-hmm. so warlock, it warlock. is Warlock and the Unicorn sounds like some Anne McCaffrey book that you always would see on the shelf of Walden books and <laughs> f- forget that it existed the moment you walked away from it. I, that's that's fair. That's mm-hmm. fair. Uh, I briefly had an alternate thought, but uh, I don't need to get into that. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Surf Monkeys, I'll start there since that's where I started as a person. Uh, author is Jay Leibold. 
Oh, before we cover- dive too deep oh, into yep. this, just for yep. anybody who might be unfamiliar with the concept of the choose your own adventure book. Oh, good call. Somebody who was maybe born last year or uh, <laughs> after or, or somebody who was born maybe after 2005. Oh, man. I hope all the one year olds listening to our show don't get mad when we use bad words. Mm-hmm. To listen to Josh talk about his adventure surf monkeys. Fast forward to 23 minutes, 18 seconds. To listen to Brandon talk about his adventure Blood Island. Fast forward to 33 minutes, 15 seconds. To listen to both Josh and Brandon play characters in the D&D 5e adventure, subscribe to Quid Pro Roll. To listen to Josh explain how choose your own adventure books work, please wait three seconds. Three, two, one. So the concept of a choose your own adventure book, since we've been rambling around them as a concept, but not the actual concept. It's a book that's written in such a way that at certain points in the book, you will be told to turn to a page that is not the next page. You will instead be told to turn to a page that is somewhere much further in the book. And very frequently, this is accompanied by a choice. Uh, Typically, this is a pick one of two. I've seen in a couple of books that I had read when I was a kid, it would be a pick one of three, which is bold. That's a bold strategy. Mm-hmm. And you flip to the page indicated by your choice, and then you continue your adventure with whatever your choice may have been. And sometimes you get screwed over, and sometimes it's just unfulfilling, and sometimes it leads to more interesting choices. Uh, something I can indicate for our folks watching on video is that the backs of the books actually indicate for you what those choice paths might look like and how many pages are between those choice paths. It looks like a London tube map that will only ever (laughs) let you get to one destination. (laughs) There are no transfers, no transfers. You go, you get on there, you get onto the individual tube. And then you go to the end of that line. (laughs) They are conceptually pretty cool. It's a good way to teach kids how to read. Um, They recommended both of these books that I was reading were recommended, I think, for ages nine to 12, Mm -hmm. which I I think is pretty reasonable. I think that's generally the age range for the not like young readers one. Yeah, I think that's accurate. And. There's nothing in here that I'd be like, oh, I don't know if a nine to 12 year old could handle that, even though there are many paths that end in death. Dun, dun, dun. Like many paths in these books that end in death. Now, some of these deaths are uh, more somber than others. Uh, Warlock and the Unicorn is principally in a fantasy realm where a warlock wants a silver unicorn, and so he's made winter eternal until he gets Mm -hmm. one. Very Narnia. And let me tell you, let me tell you, there's a couple of ways that your character can freeze to death in this book. Uh Uh-huh. Wait till we talk about mine. (laughs) Um, Well, do do you want to introduce yours before we start getting into details? Yeah. I... uh... I was trying to figure out what to get for this. And I'll be honest that some of my decision 
was taken out of my hand by shipping timelines on things. <laughs> Because there were a couple like there's one and I think it's one of the older ones from like the 70s or the 80s that they've reprinted and it like takes place on a moon colony and stuff and you have to like escape from the dome and I really wanted to get that one but I couldn't find it for a reasonable price that would yeah. ship in a reasonable time. Um, so I ended up getting one of the relatively newer ones. This one's about nine years old. It came out in 2004. It's called Blood Island, and it's from the ch- <laughs> and it's from the Choose Your Own Adventure. Then they scratch out adventure and write Nightmare <laughs> line. And also the little red band at the top of the book that says Choose Your Own Adventure is dripping blood. Oh my but, god, that's so good. But the premise of Blood Island with its tube map on the back as well with 15 endings um, is that you are a um, upperclassman in a uh, zoology program at a West Coast university and you and your friends are part of an expedition to go out to an island in the Pacific because to, re- to figure out uh, to follow up on sightings of uh, thought once thought extinct bird. Um, but there's all kind of mystery around the island because geologists say that like a prehistoric bird can't exist there because the island's only geologically relatively recent because of volcanic activity. Um, and then there's a shipwreck on your way there. There's like 10 pages of introduction before you get to the first decision point. And uh, so effectively, the game, quote unquote, starts when you wake up uh, on the island with two of your friends from the ship and you have to figure out what to do. And Boy, howdy, does it go in a lot of different directions. <laughs> uh, real quick, you said nine years ago, but then you also said 2004. No, so 2014. Okay. 14. All right. Yeah. Just wanted yeah. to make sure that was clear because uh, though I feel like 2004 was nine years ago, I know that it isn't. Yeah. And I also want to... Um, throw uh some love at the artist for the cover on this which i think is gabor utomo uh if this person also did the um exterior art including the interior art but i haven't found a second name for it uh for art credits anywhere but i love it because there's all these spooky things on the front that pair a bear a not so passing resemblance to the salt vampire from Star Trek, the original series. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, Gabor Utomo also did the internal illustrations for the republication of surf monkeys. So, oh, okay. Very good art style. I like they've it got, they've, they've got a good gig. <laughs> solid, solid, regular work. Yeah. Josh, te- I'd love for you to tell us about surf monkeys because, oh, I, I I love the the um summary that you sent me earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> so Surf Monkeys is a choose your own adventure book where you are a kid who is spending summer vacation with your uncle Dave out in California and it turns out that your uncle Dave he's a little bit of a wild card. He really <laughs> likes to surf and he teaches you how to shred some gnarly waves. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to like call out spoilers for that. Cause all of that is explained in the first two pages of the book, mm-hmm. the literal first two pages. Yeah. And I think it's important to mention too, like to uh, not, well, we've mentioned it already sort of, but to just reinforce, like this is not nuanced literature we're talking about here. This is written for late elementary schoolers. Yeah. There's a lot of, 
informed attributes when describing people, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not highbrow literature, I would say. It's made to be very, very simple. And it's made <laughs> to be very, very easy to read. And for the best of times, turn to page six. For the worst <laughs> of times, turn to page 52. <laughs> uh, so the, the core conceit of the book is that your friend Jorge has gone missing. And uh, you'd really like to find Jorge. There's some stuff that gets kind of just dropped and moved on from in the way that a kid would that I'm like, wait, hold on. Excuse me. Like, oh, I considered going to the cops, but Jorge's parents are uh, back in Mexico Mm -hmm. and he lives with his cousins and his aunt. And it's not clear whether or not the cops would be a problem for that. Anyway, moving oh. on. <laughs> it's like, I was I, like, where are you going with this? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so maybe I should so, take back what I said about these not being nuanced books. <laughs> so like stuff like that will just get dropped in line with things like, yeah. Yeah the gang leader of the local surf gang, the surf monkeys invited me to their initiation, which it turns out is to either roll ride an old rusty roller coaster in an amusement park. That's been shut down for over a decade or shoot the pier at night. This is like some weird hybrid of point break and an old Frankie Avalon, Annette Funicello beach movie. <laughs> So, like, the book is, I enjoyed the book a great deal. The thing that I complained about a little bit is that there's, like, six decision points in the entire book. Uh, Wait, I'm counting them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's literally eight decision points in the entire book to get you a variety of endings. Um, It's very, very 90s. It's incredibly 90s. It is very Captain Planet 90s as well. Part of the part of the things going on around what you're trying to do is that there's an oil rig in the bay and there's a there's a little bit of an uproar about this oil rig because it happens to be drilling right where there's a fault line. And there's an old crazy man who lives in the hills named Earthquake Joe, who's like <laughs> any day now there's going to be a massive destructive earthquake that's just going to ruin everything. And it's going to be all because of those oil drillers. But, you know, people have to have their cheap gasoline and their mm-hmm. shopping malls and their and I'm like, OK, 90s. OK, sure. Yes, this this, this book was a reaction to the Carter administration and the gas <laughs> crisis. It was it's protest literature. I, I, I yes, it's it's highly, highly Captain <laughs> Planet. Highly Captain Planet. Uh, but overall, I really enjoyed it. It was it was a fun read. I managed to get one of the better endings my first run through. Uh, A lot of the endings are really unsatisfactory where it's like, oh, uh, you took a wrong turn and you bumped into a dead end. And as you went to turn around, a monster ate you. Mm -hmm. And it's like, ah, I didn't even know there were monsters in here, much less that I wouldn't be able to turn around. And in reality, it's the author being like, 
I didn't want you to turn that direction, and I needed some reason to resolve this. A swift wind picks you up and takes you where you need to be. (laughs) It's an old DM's trick. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I learned something from this book, which I did not anticipate, which is there is a term in extreme sports where you call someone a Grammy, which is short for grommet, which I don't fully understand how Mm -hmm. a two syllable thing is short for a different two syllable thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, A Grammy is someone who is really new and generally under the age of 16 to an extreme sport. Are you sure this is real and not just in the universe of the book? I thought maybe it was in the universe of the book, and then I Googled it, and it came up on Wikipedia. Okay, that's a step and, up from Urban Dictionary. And Merriam-Webster. Okay, that's so a step like, up from Wikipedia. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, so the the first ending that I got, and the one that I was like, this is a pretty satisfactory ending, uh, was I managed to rescue my friend, and uh, we sabotaged the oil rig as part of all of our adventures. And we're eating breakfast the next day when there's a massive earthquake that destroys an entire like quarter mile of homes and businesses. And then the rig explodes in a ball of fire. And the whole way it's all described is like, yeah, this is the way it should have gone. And the it's like, power is yours. I'm like, you can't detonate an oil rig in the middle of the ocean. That's not going to be a good time. Uh, <laughs> the whole book's about eco-terrorism. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. So I flipped through the book to see what other kinds of endings there were. And if there was an ending where you don't blow up the oil rig and you rescue your friend. And there is. I just couldn't figure out how to get it. Josh, I think the problem here is you're just a real Grammy for eco-terrorism. You just didn't yeah. understand. Like. How, how things needed to be done. I just don't get it. I don't get yeah. it. <laughs> I've got to shred those gnarly waves some more so I understand it better. I love the writing in these books because it's just <laughs> so beat you over the head with what's obvious because I mean, because it's written for children uh-huh. um, and it's not like it's not written sort of like disrespectfully. Like it's not talking down to kids, but it's also trying to be very direct in what it's saying. And I just I think that's funny. Um, when I was a kid, the um, I read several of these books. I think I got some of them from the school library. One I owned was I've, I've looked for it and I can't find it because um, I'm not sure what the title of it was, but it was about the American Revolution. Um, I'm not even sure if it was like an official choose your own adventure book. Um but I, I sort of feel like it had 1776 on the cover. And I think it involved time travel where you like travel back to 1776 or whatever. Um, that's the only one that sticks out in my head. But I know I read a bunch of these. And I, I remember even then when I was like six or seven years old, like, all right, this is <laughs> they're just being very simplistic with how they're writing this. Yeah. Yeah, it's they're very, very clearly books for children. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, after this, we should we should get some Animorphs books and read those <laughs> and do a review. Those, those uh, I happen to know for a fact, though they say they're books for children. No, they they're awful. <laughs> they're they awful. They are not. Um, 
we've actually we are friends with a podcast that uh talks all about all of the animorphs books movies tv show has there been an animorphs movie yes i believe there has i don't remember that i remember the nickelodeon show i don't recall the title at this point but i'm pretty sure there's been a movie yeah, the show was terrifying because that guy got stuck as a like a crow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, remember the, that much. The books are terrifying. The whole the like... books are a thousand times more terrifying. <laughs> the books are these horrible memoirs of war and torture and, and body horror. It's awful. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that uh, I think you don't get when you're a kid, but like. They infer things like PTSD causing a war, like a veteran to wander off and take his own life. And it's like, Jesus. Yeah. What the hell, you guys? Who is? Why were you writing this for children? Clearly, it's not for children. Oh, let's talk about things not for children as we dive. As we walk barefoot along the shores of Blood Island. Take um, me on a choose your own nightmare. So like I, I sort of gave a summary of it. You're you're going for this scientific research, your shipwrecks, uh, and there you are. And then it just goes off the freaking rails immediately. Like the first decision point you have is because you're there with two friends, your friend Andrea and then your friend Mock. Uh, and uh, your first decision point is whether to build a shelter or to go out into the jungle and search for water. And the first time I built a shelter and that led me to nothing positive. (laughs) (laughs) It, it didn't like, it led me down a path that led to some other weird decisions. Like this, this just goes in so many directions. Like one of your friends can get possessed by, uh, uh, the spirit of a ghost. Um, and they, they kill you. Um, you can explore. You can explore this old shipwreck like a like a, a Spanish galleon from the 1700s or something. Uh, you can go off into the jungle and find uh, like a village. You can make your way to uh, an old temple uh, that's inhabited by evil spirits that try to kill you. You can like you can like there's some Oregon Trail here, too, because you can die from uh, drinking the water. Uh, you can uh, die from exposure. You can try and escape from the island. And depending on decisions you make, like on the raft, uh, it, you might get rescued. You might end up dying an actual, like a really terrifyingly lonely, suffering death oh, God. <laughs> out, out there. Um, I uh, probably much like you, I was able to just like sprint through a lot of this in like 30 minutes. I didn't do a lot of uh like i didn't do every ending but i think i got like seven or eight of the 15 they're in the book and one thing i noticed is like certain decision points throw you further back into the book where i think things get a lot crazier so and then tell uh, tell me if either of your books had this i ran because i'm i'm i don't remember if this is the case but i wonder if it's a standing feature of the choose your own adventure books where you have a point in the book where it essentially gives you a do-over like in mine, it sent me, it seemed to send me back in time, but it was like it made it like I wasn't sure whether or not I'd actually gone back in time or if I just imagined what had happened, which sent me back to like page 10 so I could start on a different decision tree. Neither of my books did that on either of the paths I or any of the paths, I should say, I took. 
But I think I have experienced that in other choose your own adventure books. It was such a letdown because like it was leading up to something like I had been kidnapped and uh, I was about to be killed. And then all of a sudden, just I'm I'm back at page 10 and I'm starting all over again. There was one that was like that where there was like a mysterious lamp or something. And I was like, oh, genie lamp. Hell yeah. Give me that genie lamp. I'm going to make some wishes. And my character, without me making any decisions about how wishes should be spent, decides to wish me back before I got stuck in a cave. Uh And I'm like, what? We what? No, not before. We could just wish to be out of the cave. And it's like too late. Go back to page 15. And I'm like, no. It would be really it would be interesting to maybe like try to write like a module or something uh, that involve like essentially what these are, are quick save points. Right. Like, right. Write an adventure like that where you can, you know, you have these decision points and you can spend a thing to go back one. But it's going to come at like a tremendous cost. That would be kind of fun, actually. That would be pretty cool. I did a thing a little bit with the second book. Mm-hmm. Uh with Warlock and the Unicorn that I used to do a lot with Choose Your Own Adventure books, Did, which bookmarks? was bookmark the choice points. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I had like all the fingers on my left hand, like jammed uh-huh. in there trying to save the decision points so I could flip back after I inevitably hit <laughs> an unfulfilling end, like like drowning or something. There's one there's one ending in here where you drown and you get caught in the waves because ghosts pull you and then ghosts pull you under. And it's like suddenly you realize that you don't need to breathe to move around in here. You're starting to feel warm. You think you might stay for a while. In fact, you'll never leave. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. Uh, so Warlock. Oh, I should say for Surf Monkeys, author Jay Leibold, uh, cover art by Marco Canella, illustrations by Gabor Utomo. Um, and the note that I had for ending one was blowing up an oil rig is perfectly acceptable when your villains are cartoonish and snidely whiplash like. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's make them real archetypes. Well, the everybody that you heard from who was on the oil rig is like, oh, damn surfer kids. I hate them surfer kids. You all should be <laughs> shipped off rabbit. to Alaska. And I, I like, hate that rabbit the hell is wrong with you all (laughs) uh warlock and the unicorn i'll do the credits real quick published 2023 author deborah lerm goodman cover art by marco canella once again uh this time illustrator suzanne nugent okay i had 19 choices in this book that i could choose from okay i only went down four ending paths Um, And what I did was I did a couple of ending pads on the one side and then I was like, okay, let's uh, let's change pads early, because usually if you change pads early, you end up with a lot of very different kinds of endings. Uh, So I changed pads early and then the other two endings I got were really grim, like so grim. (laughs) So uh, the first the the concept of the book is that a warlock has decided to make it a never-ending winter um, and and has a one wish, which is to have a silver unicorn. And so if you, the villagers, can bring him a silver unicorn, he will end winter. And you, a, like, nine-year-old girl, 
are like, I bet I could find a silver unicorn. And this woman who is your friend, I can't. Maybe she's your aunt. I'm not 100%. I didn't get a lot of detail here. Uh, she's like, well, but if you just give the warlock a silver unicorn, is he the next time he wants something going to decide to just make it winter eternally again? I don't know. Maybe you should think about that. Maybe we need to do something about our warlock problem. And you're like, well, I'm a nine-year-old girl, so I don't know what I'm going to do about that. And your friend is like, yeah, I bet you don't. And then you go off on your adventure. <laughs> um, so you get a couple of choices early on about like where you're going to try and find a silver unicorn. And then you basically go out into this wintry wonderland to figure out like where a silver unicorn is going to be. It's very medieval themed. So uh, not a whole lot of like pocket warmers and things like that. So there's a lot of descriptions of like your fingers feeling like they're being pricked by needles because it's so cold outside, like those sorts of things. The very first ending I got, I was like, I'm going to wander out into these woods and try to find a silver unicorn. And then I found a unicorn and I was very excited about this. And then it was like, well, maybe you need to go and find a different unicorn because maybe this one isn't silver enough. And you're like, I was like, okay, I guess I'll go back out and try and find a silver unicorn. I got eaten by a wolf. (laughs) I just got straight up murked by a wolf the instant I got back out in the woods. Insane. (laughs) Then I'm like, all right, well, screw that. I'm going back a couple decisions. I'm taking a slightly different route on this. I'm going to do this instead. I give the warlock the unicorn I find, and then I'm so sad. I'm so sad about having given up the unicorn because, like, I kind of fell in love with the unicorn, and now I feel like maybe the warlock should share. And I go back, the unicorn's completely forgotten who I am, and the unicorn and the warlock are, I don't know if the author meant to do this, but it kind of makes it sound like they are in love. Mm-hmm. Are you sure Chuck Tingle didn't write this? <laughs> I I mean, it says Deborah Lerm Goodman. So unless Choose your that's... own adventure, the warlock and the buckaroo. <laughs> so that's I, I marked that as the warlock and the unicorn are maybe a little too happy together. Uh-huh. Uh, ending three, I was like, all right, let's let's take a completely different route. We're not going into the woods at all. We're going to the Duke's castle. One of those, after a series of events, I accidentally became a fox. Okay. And I'm like, that's what? Is that mythology? Is that a thing that happens? And they're like, nah, you're a fox now. You're going to have to uh, take care of all these kits that live in this burrow. Tough luck. I'm only nine years old. I'm only nine years old. How am I supposed to take care of all these kits? Uh, and then for the final ending that I found, I was like, all right, screw that. I don't want to become a fox. So I go back like two or three choices. I start taking some different routes. I just freeze to death. (laughs) Out in the woods again, somehow. You're playing playing Skyrim on survival mode. (laughs) Hardcore Skyrim. I just, I just fricking, I I'm out in the woods. I'm too, I'm further out than I think I am. And I'm like, oh, well, at least like I'll build myself a little stick shelter and then burrow into the snow and hopefully retain some of my warmth. And then it's like you drift into a you drift into a calm sleep 
and your dreams are very light, which is good because they're the last dreams you'll ever have. And I'm like, wow, Deborah, jeez. <laughs> yeah, my my book did a lot of stuff like that too. Um, I didn't call out <laughs> the author. Uh, this is written by Liz Windover, and uh, so the best that I could tell based on the Choose Your Own Adventure website, this is her only Choose Your Own Adventure book. Oh. But I'm not sure. I can't swear to that because uh, I I feel like I saw something that refuted that when we first started talking about this like a week and a half ago, but mm-hmm. I haven't been able to follow up on it. Okay. Um, but regardless, uh, I don't want it to sound like I was uh, ragging on anything because this is for what it is. This is actually pretty well done. Like even the parts where I was like, oh, come on now. It was like a really good. Oh, come on now. <laughs> like it had subverted my expectation in a number of ways. And I should be very clear too that uh i did at least on two of my endings get rescued um both Ah. times by the united states coast guard way to go united states coast guard Mm -hmm. i found some giant birds i became part of their tribe uh it was it was pretty fantastic um (laughs) you know it's it's really it's silly. Like, you know, people make fun. People make fun of adults sometimes who read YA and things like that. And, you know, I think I think as a grown up, if you want to sit down and read a choose your own adventure book, because there are adult choose your own adventure books out there. There are like more mature themed ones They're They're the same type of book, but they're not put out by the choose your own adventure company. Um, so, yeah, you can you can read those um, or you can or you can go like super hardcore with something like House of Leaves, with it, which is like a super meta book uh, that takes you through this whole adventure. But um, I think this is just a really fun way to just kill 30 minutes and just see like how crazy of an ending you can get to, because if you're a grown up, you can just like speed through this thing as fast as possible. And I had I got off work. I did a couple things around the house and then I sat on the couch for like half hour, 40 minutes and just did this. I'm like, this is nice. This is this is pleasant. I'm entertained by what I'm doing here, even though I'm reading it kind of ironically. And the books are also like eight bucks. Yeah. And you're going to get well more than eight dollars of satisfaction out of these books. Let me tell you what. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can always you can always. You know, if you've got them, you can always pass them along to somebody else. You can give them to a child or something. They'll they will enjoy them. See, that's the key. Have a kid buy all these books for them and then you read them in secret. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, I, I I like to think that Robert Plant uh, was one of the first choose your own adventure writers, because if you look at the lyrics of Stairway to Heaven, it's yes, there are two paths you can go on. But in the long run, there's still time to change the road you're on. <laughs> Uh, it was it was it was really fun. Like, I wish I'd got two of these uh, like you did, because uh, like I wish I had just gone ahead and ordered that weird moon one and hope that it got here in time. <laughs> I mean, you can always order the second one for your own enjoyment instead of just for yeah. the show. Yeah. You know, we should we should at the choose your own adventure people send us uh, a box of choose your own adventure books and we will talk about them. Oh, my God. I would like to do I would like to do this again, though. I not only would I like to do this again, uh, if anybody's got contacts inside the choose your own adventure group, and maybe that's us on social media, I don't know. Um, I would love to talk to someone who's either written one of these books or someone who's like part of the publishing process or something to get like 
because I know anytime we want folks to write adventures for us, we're kind of like, all right, so here's if you're going to write adventurers, like here's the modules shape that we kind of want to have. Here's the sorts of things we need to have inside each of those modules. Like here's here's the guidelines. I there's got to be something like that for these. Right. And it's, mm-hmm. I wonder how strict it is. Especially now. That's that's a really good question. I would love to know sort of their process too of how they map out all the stories on these. Like once you have the thread of what you're going to do, like right. they, I'm I'm sure they have to storyboard it. Absolutely. Well, and like the warlock and the unicorn, did they know that they needed to have what is it, twenty one endings mm-hmm. when they yeah. started writing that book? How many is enough? Right. Like yeah, it's sh- that's. That's the sort of stuff that I would love to know. And I don't think you and I will be able to get a lot on that without talking to someone who actually does this stuff. Yeah, we should absolutely put out a call. Like anybody who's written a choose your own adventure book in the last 40 years, please reach out to us. <laughs> so <laughs> we can talk love about to this. interview you. What I'd like to do, too, and you might remember this because uh, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, I purchased for and sent to you a uh, Narnia choose your own adventure book from from a company that I think is actually based in Charlottesville, or at least it was in the eighties when that came out, but it's, it's, they've got several of them. And the premise of it is you actually have a character sheet as part of it and you roll two D six and you determine your character stats. And then you use those at the decision points and at various like combat points throughout the book. It's like, I know like, solo play games are really in vogue now but like they weren't 40 years ago <laughs> no they super weren't so yeah. i would and there's there's also i think some sherlock holmes choose your own adventure style books written by that same company um uh because i did some research on this a couple of years ago when i was trying to f- figure out like an interesting thing for us to talk about and that's where i stumbled on those but um it would be very much worthwhile, one, to see if that company's still in business, two, to see if they would want to talk about it, and three, if they would send us some books. <laughs> um, but I would really like to talk to the Choose Your Own Adventure folks. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, we'll find a name for somebody, and then we'll Joe Donka them and just track them down. <laughs> yeah, much, much we'll just, love, Joe. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll talk about them on the podcast until we get them on the podcast. Exactly. We'll have Joe, our, bi- our bi-weekly mention of Choose Your Own Adventure. <laughs> Joe, if you're listening right now, we do want to hear about whatever project you're working on. Keep us <laughs> keep us in the loop. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have any closing thoughts on your uh, the adventure of your own choosing? I think I think my closing thought is that in, initially when I was like, oh, my God, I just froze to death. That's horrifying. I was like, is is this appropriate for children? And then I took a minute to think about it. And I was like, is that like when I was like 10 or 11, was I really like, oh my gosh, the concept of death, like I got to avoid that. Or was I like, hey, let's stop infantilizing me. I'm 10 years old. Okay. I know a thing or two about how the world works. And I, I know for a fact it was the latter. And I know for a fact that some of my favorite shows did not hold those kinds of punches for me. Like Batman, the animated series did a great job of managing being kind of a light and fun romp show while simultaneously dealing with things like characters with depression or mental illness or um, 
having like their own their own like life struggles and those it was really impactful for me as a kid so i don't hold your punches uh deborah even if i'm like holy crap that girl just froze to death in the woods josh's josh's choose your own adventure was in fact a chuck tingle story it was pounded in the butt by your own mortality Um, I think if you're at a um, thrift store or a flea market or a yard sale or something and you see a pile of these choose your own adventure books, buy them immediately. <laughs> well, buy them immediately. I will also say ChooseCo, the CYOA.com website, has a ludicrous number of these books available for sale right now. I ordered mm-hmm. them direct. And, and maybe dollars like a piece. Maybe Ludacris will write a Fast and the Furious themed oh. choose your own adventure book. Oh, I would play the hell out of a Fast and the Furious themed CYOA book. Absolutely. Be amazing. They need to they need to get on top of their licensing for Dear things. Choose Co. Yeah. Have you reached out to my man Vin Diesel? <laughs> you get to the first decision point and you can either choose to do what's right for the family or do what's right for the family. <laughs> What if what if it's family versus family? You have to you have to choose a direction between your family. If you want to steal a submarine, turn to page 30. If you want to send <laughs> Tyrese to space, turn to page 101. <laughs> Amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh what else do the people need to know, Josh? Well, for starts, folks, as always, should telephone, telegraph, tell a friend about the Goblins and Growlers podcast, because word of mouth is precisely how a podcast like ours grows. Excellent um, if advice. If you've left us a five-star review already, thank you so much. If you haven't left us a five-star review, then I can only presume it's because you either haven't gotten around to it yet, or because you were going to leave us one of those less than five-star reviews, and then we ask you to instead reach out to us so that we could talk calmly about why we're probably still right um you should join us on the discord bit.ly slash goblin discord or if you like finding all of your links in one place including the discord go to our link tree that's linktr.ee slash goblins and growlers which has all of our social medias our website our sister podcast quid pro roll where brandon plays an over-the-hill professional wrestler Who's uh getting getting pretty paternalistic with uh with his instincts here mm-hmm. in the last set of episodes? So that's uh that's kind of cool to watch yeah. happen. We recorded again last night, so Josh is foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I played the half elf rogue Solon Arvacus, who I didn't want to be an edge lord, uh, but ended up with a necromancer spirit in his sword and likes to cast shadow blade so you know what you you live the life you live uh-huh um <laughs> looking looking through our saved uh banners here i noticed uh that we did talk about uh have polling people for how would a ghost rider centaur work and i don't believe we got many or any responses to that so i'm i'm sending out the call again uh does a Ghost Rider Centaur's own feet catch fire like the wheels of a Ghost Rider vehicle or the hooves of a Ghost Rider horse? Um, it's very similar to the pants argument, 
but I think this is cooler. So let us know about that. I am still firmly of the opinion that the Ghost Rider Centaur does still climb on top of a hellish motorcycle. Mm -hmm. Just all four hooves up on that motorcycle. For balance, they would probably need like a trike. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you everybody for choosing your adventure with us uh, this fine Monday. Uh, and we'll catch you in two weeks uh, to listen to Josh suffer. <laughs> If you like what you hear, consider subscribing and giving us a review over on Apple Podcasts. Especially early in the feed, subscriptions and reviews are super helpful for bringing new listeners our way. Thank you. we can seriously do this but there's a small part of me that's like if you want to hear what brandon says next skip to minute five if uh-huh. you want to hear what josh says next skip to minute three and 30 seconds you know you know how we can do that we'll just leave a blank space in there and have scott plug it in with the time codes he can just re- <laughs> record over it i think we should oh do God. it let's just yeah, let's do it once